You are listening to the Science and Soul of Living Well, where we highlight evidence-based tools from psychological science and complementary and alternative medicine to help us all cultivate resilience and live with more meaning, purpose, and alignment with personal values, even in the most stressful and darkest of times. I'm Melissa Mingfoynes, your host, and I am also a clinical psychologist and educator, trauma-informed mindfulness meditation and yoga teacher, and Ayurvedic doula. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 29, Signs of Perfectionism, a guided self-assessment. As I mentioned in the first episode in this series, I felt very compelled by this topic of perfectionism and really wanted to dedicate a three-part series to this topic because of a combination of some of my own life experiences, as well as the experiences and the lives of the clients with whom I work. I know for myself, there are certain perfectionistic tendencies that actually took me many years to identify because they had become become so habitual that I didn't actually recognize them as perfectionistic. They really flew under the radar. And for many of my clients, I've heard lots of stories about ways in which perfectionism has become rewarded or praised. And so breaking through these cycles can can be really challenging even when we recognize that there are ways in which they no longer serve us. So my hope is that this self-assessment is helpful to you in your process and also gives you an insight into what it might be like to work with me in my one-on-one coaching program because in that program I very frequently integrate personalized meditations for clients as well as specific writing prompts that help them work through some kind of challenge that they're facing or I will develop self-guided inquiry practices. So if this episode today resonates with you, whether it's because of the approach itself or the theme of perfectionism, I definitely encourage you to reach out and apply to the program. I'm also happy to talk with you more if you're interested and schedule a time to connect to answer any specific questions you might have. So I do only have two more spots left for the one-on-one coaching program. These will be the last two slots I'll be offering for the rest of 2021. And so if you are interested, you can send me an email at hello at melissafoynes.com or you can go to my website melissafoynes.com for more information and and all of this information will be in the episode notes as well. And the holistic coaching program is something, as I said, that many of my clients will seek out as a way to address perfectionistic tendencies, but it's certainly certainly not the only challenge that we address in that program. So broadly speaking, the coaching program is a personalized three-month program that blends wisdom from both Eastern and Western healing modalities in a way that is really catered to you to help you shift and transform the behaviors, relationship dynamics, thought patterns that feel most important. So the goal is to really address healing in mind, body, and spirit and help you cultivate more intentional, embodied, and fulfilled living through an integration of evidence-based psychology as well as other wisdom traditions like different branches of yoga including asana or the physical practice of yoga 
pranayama or breath work, as well as meditation and mindfulness practices, and Ayurveda, which is the sister science of yoga. It's an ancient preventative medicine system originating in India over 5,000 years ago, and it really focuses on holistic well-being through daily and seasonal routines, nutritional support, the gut-brain connection, and various lifestyle adjustments that can help bring you balance given your unique mental and physical constitution. So there really are a variety of really powerful resources that I integrate into this coaching program in a way that is very personalized, very catered to meet your unique needs and the specific challenges that you are facing in a way that is accessible and sustainable so that you can integrate these tools and strategies into your life in a consistent and regular way even in the midst of a really busy lifestyle so definitely feel free to check out my website or reach out to me directly if you'd like to connect more So in case you aren't already aware, I actually am really excited to share that I designed a workbook intended to specifically accompany this episode. And as you may recall, this episode is the second episode in a three-part series on perfectionism, understanding perfectionism, knowing more about some of the myths and facts of perfectionism, understanding a bit about the root causes of perfectionism, all with the intention of really becoming more aware of the extent to which perfectionistic tendencies show up in different domains of our lives in varying degrees, and then ways that we can begin to or continue to break through these cycles of perfectionism, particularly those that no longer serve us and that may have served a function in the past. So this episode is intended to give you an opportunity to dive more deeply into these different domains of your life and to really consider in a thoughtful, intentional way what are some of your tendencies and what are some ways in which they serve you and some ways in which they don't so that you can begin to make some choices about areas of your life that you'd like to shift. So I created this workbook so that you could review it alongside this podcast or so that you could go back to that workbook after the podcast if you prefer to approach this podcast as more of a guided meditation. So there really are a number of ways in which you can use these two companion tools together and this is the first time I've offered an episode like this with an accompanying workbook and so it feels a little bit like a master class or a mini workshop and so I'm so excited to offer it to you and really would love to hear what you think. So please do check it out. Go to the episode notes to find out more about how you can download it. Feel free to tell your friends about it, tell your loved ones about it, and really look forward to continuing to embark upon this journey towards unpacking perfectionism with you. Before we transition into the guided self-assessment, I do want to emphasize that this assessment, this self-inventory is not intended to give you fuel for self-criticism or self-judgment. 
the purpose of walking through this assessment together is really to help you gain more insight into areas of your life in which perfectionistic tendencies might show up, even if in subtle ways, to help you decide what, if anything, you may want to shift. Sometimes these perfectionistic tendencies can be very regulating emotionally and very organizing, especially in times of stress or chaos. So it's not like you need to change them or stop them, and you are the expert on you. This process is really more about becoming more aware of the impact of these tendencies in a holistic way, in mind, body, and spirit, in different domains of your life, rather than continuing these patterns out of habit. So it's about bringing choice to the equation. And it is with this new consciousness, this heightened level of of awareness, that you can make more intentional decisions about how you want to live your life and anything that you want to work on or do differently going forward. In order to approach any process of self-inquiry or self-understanding with compassion, with an integration of both facts and logic along with intuitive emotional understanding, it can be really beneficial to take the time that you need to settle into that grounded kind of space. And you'll find that if you take the time to arrive at that sense of settling and groundedness, you'll be able to access a place that integrates this emotional understanding with more of this intellectual, analytical, logical understanding as well. Because both types of understanding are essential and integral to this kind of process. So to support you in arriving at that space, I invite you to bring in any kinds of supports that would be useful to you. This could involve comfortable cushions. This could involve experimenting with different body postures. So you might be seated, especially if you choose to engage with this assessment as more of a writing exercise and the accompanying workbook. You could be lying down, you could be standing, and you could also bring in some movement. So taking some gentle stretching, perhaps rolling your shoulders, your head to bring a gentle stretch to the back of the neck. You might even engage with the senses. So for some people, it can be very grounding and orienting to look around the room and to notice color, and texture, shadow, intensity of light and dark. For others, it can be really helpful to even touch the physical environment to get a sense of what it feels like, the objects that surround you, the temperature, the textures. And for some to even look around you all 360 degrees, front, back, both sides, up and down, that's something that can really help your nervous system settle in to just have a sense of the space surrounding you. For others, it might be a few slow, deep breaths into your belly. So maybe inhaling through the nose and making an audible sigh out. Ha. So again, 
using whatever supports you in arriving at a more grounded sense of self and really tuning into what you most need in this moment to help you arrive, to help you settle, to help you ground, to help you transition into this assessment process that is really a gift that you are giving yourself. It's time that you're carving out in your schedule. It's courageous to examine some of these patterns and to potentially get honest with yourself in a way that might be uncomfortable. And so when we're approaching any process that might bring up uncomfortable emotions that might be challenging that takes self-reflection and thoughtfulness and time it's important to approach that process with reverence and to give it the time that it deserves as opposed to trying to cram it in or rush it And so I invite you to really take the time that you need. And I'll offer a few moments of silence right now so that you can use this time in whatever way is most calling you for support. And as we continue through this guided self-assessment process today, I encourage you to come back to any anchors or supports that you might find helpful at any point in time, whether it's the breath, whether it's looking around or touching your environment, whether it's movement, whether it's stretching, whether it's changing the shape or position of your body. So know that these supports are available to you at any point in time as you choose. The first domain of life that I would like to lift up is related to physical appearance because this is a really common life domain in which perfectionistic tendencies can show up. I'll first invite you to consider, do you spend more time and money on your appearance than you would like? Do you have certain rules about your appearance? For example, do you wear long sleeves, even in hot weather? Or you won't go out of the house unless you've showered or are wearing certain types of clothing? Do you have rules about how you smile in pictures or whether you smile in pictures or only allowing videos or photographs to be taken of you under certain circumstances? Do you try to hide or cover up certain features or parts of your body? 
Do you feel highly critical of your appearance or extremely preoccupied by your appearance? So perhaps you spend a lot of time looking in the mirror or go to great lengths to avoid seeing your reflection. Perhaps you notice intrusive thoughts about your appearance that crop up at really inopportune times. Do you feel really judgmental of your physical appearance, often feel like, feeling like you're never enough? You're never big enough, tall enough, skinny enough, short enough, etc. Filling in the blank with your ideal. And do you assume that people link your worth and value to your physical appearance? Do you tie other people's love and attraction to you based on physical appearance? When it comes to physical fitness, what motivates you to engage in physical activity? Is it for fun or for physical health? Or is it primarily to achieve and excel? How prone are you to injury? Do you tend to overexert yourself to the extent that you get hurt? Are you able to modulate your physical activity based on how you're feeling on a given day? What is it like for you to alter your regular exercise routine or perhaps miss a day of exercise? Do you tend to push beyond what most people of a similar age or fitness level might do? Do you avoid going to the gym or attending a certain fitness class unless you are in what you perceive to be the top tier of fitness level relative to the other people who are joining. When it comes to your professional context, how often do you work? What hours do you keep? And how much work-life balance do you have? What compels you to work the amount that you do? And what would happen if you worked less? How do you tend to treat yourself or view yourself when you want or need a break? How often do you take a sick day? How often do you take time off for self-care or for vacation? And what is it like for you when you don't get external praise or affirmation or reinforcement from other people in the form of promotions, raises, awards, or positive feedback? So how do you feel about yourself when you don't get that externally? How do you make sense of it? How do you interpret it? How does it affect your sense of self and your your sense of self-worth? In your professional life, how willing are you to take risks? 
How often do you take on tasks, projects, activities that are new and outside your comfort zone? And to what extent do you go to great lengths to avoid criticism and disappointment in your professional life? And what is it like for you when you're not the best, quote unquote? Do you tend to assume you're not meeting other people's standards even in the absence of specific evidence? When you make a mistake professionally, what happens? Do you tend to catastrophize, imagine worst case scenarios that you might get fired or your business won't be successful, people will judge you, think negatively of you? And how hard is it for you to delegate when it comes to professional tasks? Do you ever struggle with fears that other people won't do something how you need it or up to your standards? And consider the area of hobbies and passions in life that are separate from professional domain. I know many of us have professions that are a source of of passion, but considering for a moment joyful, pleasurable activities that are meaningful to you that you pursue that are separate from your profession or vocation. So what is your relationship to those pleasurable, meaningful hobbies and activities? Do you have certain interests or passions that you invest in just because? Are you able to find joy in those activities? Is your pursuit of these hobbies and passions consistently goal-oriented or competitive or comparative? comparative even if only with yourself so not necessarily with other people or it could be both so for example do you notice that you're constantly trying to do more when it comes to your hobbies or improve in a way that feels driven do you ever notice that you have thoughts that unless you can perform at a certain level with a hobby that it isn't worthwhile And have you given up on certain hobbies when you have felt that you aren't good at them or you're not performing up to your standards or because of concerns about other people's judgments of you? Do you notice yourself having judgmental thoughts about other people's hobbies or passions? For those of you who are parents or mentors, I'd like you to consider how able you are to admit or acknowledge aspects of parenting or mentorship 
that are difficult or not that fun? And do you tend to share those difficult moments with others? Do you filter out certain information, presuming you might get judged? Do you preemptively feel a sense of shame for difficulties or mistakes? How often do you presume that your parenting mistakes will lead to long-term problems in your children? Or that your mistakes as a mentor will cause long-term problems in your mentees? Do you tend to interpret your child, children's, mentees, mistakes, and failures as an indication of your skillfulness or worth or success as a parent or mentor? And how critical of yourself are you when it comes to this life domain? For parents, do you tend to have unrealistically high expectations of your children that are not always developmentally appropriate or consistent with their capacity. As mentors, do you tend to have expectations and demands that are not realistic? How critical or judgmental of your children are you when they do not meet your expectations and or have different opinions or values. And same for mentees. To what extent do you feel critical or judgmental of your mentees when they don't share your opinions or values or when they don't meet your expectations, when you feel disappointed? And consider some different relationships in your life. And I know this can be a big category. So you could choose to focus on one or two key relationships or maybe just one and come back to these questions for others. Or you could try to think about relationships more collectively, whatever works for you. So once you call to mind an image of that person or a group of people, Consider how well this person or these people know the real you. And how do you tend to respond when this person hurts you or makes a mistake? Do you tend to get really black and white? So perhaps you forgive them without saying anything? Or maybe you veer towards the other end of the spectrum and you cut them out of your life completely? Do you tend to have unrealistic expectations or demands of people such that you expect to never be hurt or mistreated? How difficult is it for you to negotiate in relationships? Do you tend to feel that your way is the right way or the best way? Or perhaps you ask for other people's opinions but you have a sense of what the right answer is how intimate are your relationships do you tend to have relationships that are more surface level or acquaintance like 
how well do people know your innermost desires and dreams and thoughts? Do you tend to assume that people in your life have extremely high standards of you? Or that they might leave you, abandon you, stop loving you, judge you if you express a difference of opinion or don't meet those standards? How often do you feel disappointed or let down by others? Do you find yourself feeling very critical and judgmental of other people? So for instance, when they make mistakes, do you presume it's because they are careless or lazy or inconsiderate or unmotivated? Do you give them the benefit of the doubt? Do you make assumptions? How forgiving or accepting are you of other people and their imperfections? How often do you feel put out or inconvenienced by others? And to what extent do you feel like you're living your life more according to other people's standards than your own? How able are you to express your opinions and preferences and values and stand up for them? And consider your sex life. How do you tend to respond when your bids for sexual intimacy are declined? What thoughts do you have? What emotions arise? Are there any core wounds that get activated? Any interpretations you make about yourself? To what extent do you overassume responsibility for other people's sexual experiences and sense of satisfaction and fulfillment sexually? How often do you sacrifice or forego your sexual needs and preferences in order to pleasure others? How often do you feel concerned about people leaving you if there are problems with sexual intimacy? Is this something that brings up great anxiety for you? Or something that you feel preoccupied with or concerned about? And consider your physical environment. To what extent do you focus so much on organization and cleanliness in your physical space that you have a hard time focusing on conversations, engaging in other tasks, or even resting unless the environment meets a certain standard? How do you respond when other people don't organize or clean things according to your preferences and standards? Do you get irritable, anxious, overwhelmed, angry, resentful? And if your physical environment is messy or disorganized for whatever reason, whether it's a life stressor or physical illness, are you able to let it go? And do you assume people will judge you based on your physical space? Do you avoid having people over to visit? 
unless your space looks a certain way? Do you over apologize for the way your physical space looks? Vulnerability. How much time do you invest in appearing happy and joyful to other people in terms of what you share about yourself, perhaps what you post on social media? Do you tend to avoid conflict or observing limits? Do you tend to keep it to yourself when someone has upset you or you have a different opinion? Do you have an easier time giving to others than receiving their help and support? Do you avoid taking risks or avoid situations in which you might get criticized or someone might disagree with you? Do you ruminate about mistakes or spend a lot of time trying to avoid them? And how often do you feel racked with self-doubt and spaciousness. To what extent do you tend to overschedule yourself? Are you ever so busy that you don't have a lot of downtime to be with your feelings or to be alone, to be with yourself? Do you have a hard time relaxing, winding down, not having something to do, having an unscheduled day or afternoon or morning? Do you notice that you can sometimes be so focused on proofreading, preventing mistakes, or are so oriented to detail that it takes you a lot longer to complete certain tasks than other people? Or how often do you procrastinate and then often have panic or anxiety about deadlines at the last minute? Do you have a tendency towards setting so many goals or having such a long to-do list that you don't have much free time and you're often feeling like there just isn't enough time in a day? You can't get ahead of your to-do list. How often do you have difficulty making decisions? Are you routinely tired? You relying on caffeine or other stimulants to get through the day? How often are you late? How often do you accidentally double book yourself? How often do you skip out on self-care, working through lunch, missing medical appointments? Do you regularly multitask? Do you have a hard time getting through your to-do list? Do you have a hard time saying no? And consider your relationship to success. How easily do you accept praise and positive feedback without creating a caveat or minimizing it or rejecting it? Are you able to celebrate your accomplishments without downplaying them? When you are skillful or successful or effective, do you have a hard time shaking the feeling that it's just not good enough or it could have been better? Do you tend to focus more on what didn't go well or what you did wrong or what could have been better rather than what did go well? And how easily can you celebrate the successes of other people without resentment, anger, bitterness, and envy? Do you notice a need to win even in things that don't matter so much? 
And do you have a hard time feeling successful even if objectively there are many indicators of your success, however you define it? And finally, self-worth and self-beliefs. How often do you feel defective or flawed? Or think thoughts like, I'm defective, I'm flawed. I'm not worthy, I don't deserve this. How often do you struggle with intense feelings of anger or resentment? Do you tend to be rigid and somewhat inflexible? Are you averse to risk or novelty? And if so, in what circumstances? In what kinds of relationships? Do you have a hard time relaxing, being spontaneous, letting go of control? Do you tend to micromanage other people? And if something is hard for you, do you jump to the conclusion that you can't do it or that you're not smart enough or not equipped or not talented enough? So again, that is a lot of opportunity for reflection and insight packed into a short period of time. So I definitely encourage you to come back to these questions, revisit them, consider them more deeply, perhaps pause and do some writing, talk to some other people in your life and just revisit these questions as much as you may need to support you. And remember that enhancing your ability to understand the ways in which perfectionism and perfectionistic tendencies crop up in your own life is a process. And as we talked about in the prior episode, episode 28, there are a myriad of influences that not only contribute to the development of perfectionistic tendencies, but reinforce them and reward them and perpetuate them. And so oftentimes, we're not even aware that we're operating in these ways because they have become so ingrained and because they are so habitual. Yet they can be changed. They can be transmuted and transformed even when they are deeply ingrained. And so I encourage you to have patience with yourself about this process, to take your time with it, And if you do notice a lot of self-judgment or self-criticism cropping up around some of the tendencies that you're noticing, you can go back to the prior episode where we talk about some of the root causes of perfectionism. I think taking a step back and really understanding how none of us is immune to some of the influences that can contribute to perfectionism and being able to take a step back and recognize how human it is to develop and engage in some of these tendencies is really powerful. You could also consider staying tuned for the next episode, episode 30, which again really breaks down in an accessible way some key strategies and principles to keep in mind that can support you in this really important and valuable, though at times challenging process of breaking through these cycles of perfectionism. Yet I really do strongly, powerfully believe in the synergistic effect of both insight and action. And so the work that you've done in today's episode 
on deepening your insight and understanding of some of these patterns will undoubtedly serve as a really valuable foundation for some of that more change-oriented work that you can engage in with the support of the subsequent episode coming in a few weeks. So again, I thank you so much for taking the time to join me for this special episode today and I hope that you acknowledge and honor yourself for taking the time for this episode today. I would love to hear what you think about this assessment, about the accompanying workbook, and I so look forward to you joining me next time, hopefully for the next episode in this series, episode 30 on breaking the cycles of perfectionism. Thank you so much and I look forward to you joining me next time. Thank you for listening to the science and soul of living well. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, share it with others, or leave a review. And if you'd like to reach out or connect more, I would love to hear from you. So please check out my website or follow me on Instagram. To find me on Instagram, you can search for Dr. Foynes. That is D-R-F-O-Y-N-E-S. And to learn more about me and connect via my website, you can visit melissafoynes.com. That is M-E-L-I-S-S-A-F-O-Y-N-E-S.com. Thank you so much for carving out the time to join me this week, and I look forward to having you join next.